From the studios of their respective lounge rooms, a team of pyjama-clad TV tragics ready to slice, dice and dissect the best and worst of what's on the box. It's TV Binge Box. Hello TV lovers and welcome to another TV Binge Box, the podcast about what to watch and what not to watch on the box. I'm your host, Joe Casamento, and look, I just wanted to bring you up to date <laughs> about a few big changes that have been I've happening in my life. I'm just living my new truth. Oh, gosh. Oh, my God. Have I transitioned or have I gone through puberty? Which one is it? Oh, look, only joking, just for this week, Stephen Brook here, CBD columnist at The Age in the Presenter's Chair, and welcome, everyone. This is episode 48 Malt, wow. can you believe it? They said we would never make it, Brookie. And uh, I, for one, am pleased <laughs> that uh, just as a delicate change, Joe does a great job, but it's marvellous <laughs> to hear you introduce me. What what dulcet tones? What gravitas? <laughs> we'll see how I go for hosting the rest of the show. But you know what I'm thinking about episode 48? That is two episodes mm. shy of our 50th special episode. We better get planning, Joe. What do you think? Everyone's oh favourite journalist, a... Joe Casamento. Oh, thank you, Brookie. It's so nice to hear your dulcet tones. Um, and I think that means quiz time, right? I think mm, it probably does mean quiz, quiz time. time. Before we get yeah. to that, though, Joe, tell us, how was Beef Week? <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say something very rude. It's always Beef Week in my Uh No, just kidding. Yes, I actually had a fun week. I, I said no to Fashion Week and I said yes to Beef Week, as you do. Uh, the lovely Jessica Rowe is always on board for sharing, you know, tips and tricks on how to cook your mints and your steaks. So I hung out with a group of fabulous people, including Kerry ann Kenley and the lovely Angela Bishop mm. and Richard, my favourite uh, favorite boy, Richard. So um we we learned how to go low and slow, really. You know, I that's am. The, in, that's the key. I am low and slow. I, <laughs> low and slow. Being in Melbourne, are uh, in the middle of a lockdown. Um, so props to all you Melbourne listeners. So Joe, I am living even more vicariously by oh. your Instagram stories, which I do. I hate to say, I went out dancing on Saturday. I night. saw that too. God, I it saw felt that good. too. I saw that too. And I just want to know who is your cameraman because they're mm. always there. Oh, On with the show. This week we are back to revisit one of the most critically acclaimed and talked about television dramas of the year. And hey, it is only June. But first, let's start off with... Clap. Or slap. So, Joe, what have you been watching this week? Oh, this is one I'm absolutely in love with. And you know boys that I loved the first mm. series and I'm loving the second one just as much. I'm talking about Love on the Spectrum, oh, yes. which is on ABC iView. Isn't it just a warm, sugary bowl of puff pastry or something? It is just <laughs> the most beautiful dating reality show. The people we meet in this series, the families we meet, the community around them, um, it just reminds me of all that is good and right and innocent in this mm. world. Um, it seems there very are genuine. F- it does. There are a f- few familiar faces. I mean, who can forget Michael with the suits? Delightful. He, I don't want to give anything away. No spoiler alerts, but his journey is just beautiful. And when he speaks, honestly, the things he comes out with are just wonderful. And I love his relationship with his parents. Yes. It's just gorgeous. His mother, oh, gosh, I want her as a mum. 
It's way too adorable. Um, the relationship specialist on this show, Jodie, is incredible. She gives the maths experts oh, a run for their money. So they could really learn a thing or two about, you know, how to guide couples in relationships. And that's the thing. Finding love can be hard for everybody, right? So mm. even though we're following these young adults on the spectrum as they navigate the confusing world of dating um, with the help of these specialists, it's also just really a wonderful show to watch and I think that's the key yeah. to this is it's not condescending or it's not, you know, it really is just a standalone wonderful watch and um, as I said, I'm just absolutely loving it. Smart, it's it's genuine and it has that missing ingredient that most reality shows miss and that is, you know, Joy and heart. Mold, and have empathy. you been watching as well? Yeah, I'm with Joe deeply, deeply in this camp. As soon as the screeners yeah. came out for it, I, w- I watched every one of them. It, it, it's it's that much a part of it. I think Joe, I agree with everything that you've said. The, the the real hook for Love on the Spectrum is that it treats each of the people involved with the series with dignity. It it acknowledges 100%. that each of them just want to find love. They want to be in a relationship where they are valued and appreciated and loved and cared for and to to see them on that journey is indeed a delight. And they can teach us a thing or two. They just simplify things. It's just so wonderful when they just take out, you know, they're just really black and white about what they want what they don't want and they're so, you know, they just say it straight out. And special call out to my gorgeous um, darling friend Tio yes. who is a star in this oh, series. Right. She's wow. a model I've worked with with um, a group I work with called Autism Mates and she's, I mean, she's a stunner and she is an absolute to die for girl anyway and I'm so happy to see her love journey which is really interesting because she's bisexual so she you know it's, it's very open and very mm. it's it's just really great so I urge everyone to have a look at that I wanted to mention quickly this is a few weeks ago but I hadn't watched it and oh, I'm no. I, I wanted to mention the Craig McLaughlin interview quickly because I know you had brought it up Malk a few weeks ago honestly this is the most unbelievably unhinged show I've watched in a very long time. It sort of reminded me of watching Britney when she was having her um, hey, umbrella. Hey, leave Britney alone. Mm. I know, and that's my point. I felt very uncomfortable watching this. Mm. It's interesting and when I watched I the Britney docker. Well alone, yeah. Joe. Yes. And I, Malk was very strong in his views about it. So what made you revisit? Because Malk was so strong and everyone was talking about it yeah. and I felt strongly about the case anyway. But I think like that Brittany Docco now when we look back and say why didn't we help or why did we mm. just watch this yeah. like it was entertainment, I had that same icky feeling with this. Now, I'm not talking about the rights or wrongs of this case and I have strong opinions on those, but just as a as an interview subject, we should not be watching this man is, is, is a mental health case that I just felt very strongly it was not it was just icky viewing we had and, a similar um, reaction to another yeah. seven interview didn't we on Ben Cousins mm. who was the AFL footballer with the continual That's right, with the drugs. drug problem so two black marks against channel seven there mm. I think yeah very one side and he was a lot of victim blaming and all of that but it was very one-eyed and, and just yeah, oh not, and it proved not, in Ben Cousins case that he definitely wasn't done there was still um, trauma and stuff to play out for him. So yeah, it's this kind of scenario again, isn't it? Mm. So are we officially classifying that one as a slap, Joe? Yeah, 100%. Okay. It was creepy and unnecessary. Okay, my slap, though, for the week is Selena, the series. Have you boys caught this one? I, have I am not. talking about the Teenage Selena. Witch. Yeah. No, different <clears throat> Selena. This is S 
E-L-I-N-A. This is the American-Mexican singer who was huge in the 90s. Jennifer Lopez played her in a movie. Really? I don't think her music affected us in Australia, but she's this was this big, you know, sort of Spanish singing superstar. Sure. And they've made a number of telemovies about her. Anyway, this one is I really wanted to follow the story. Again, I don't think I'm giving a spoiler. Am I spoiling something? The ending is quite dramatic and it was big news at the time. Sure. Um, so I wanted to watch this to see what had happened and what how it ended up where it ended up. Um, but this but series is it. like not worth Oof. it, no. So it's weak, it's riddled with bad dialogue, low production values, it's like a bad soap, a bad hallmark sort of series. Uninspiring, low budget, stay away from it. So there you are. All That's right, my picks for the week. Thank you. Informative as always. Now, Malt, let's hear from you. I, I've tried to be really good this week, Brookie and Joe, by just giving it, it'll be two and a half claps as far as shows that I'm looking at. No slaps. Malk, I, I'm just mm. looking at the list and I seem to have listed <clears throat> more programs than you in this segment. That never happens. I know. This is, look at what you've done to me. I'm trying to be that good. Anyway, I'll, I'll get to it now. My first clap is a series that I, I kind of, Saw pop up in my, you know, Netflix recommends feed. And and I don't know about you guys, but I'm always half a mind to go, sure, Netflix, you don't know me, whatever. (laughs) Um, It's a Netflix original and it's called Sweet Tooth. Now, this gets a huge clap. Is it a bake-off? No, (laughs) it is not, in fact. It is a, it's a DC Comics property, actually, brought to life, brought to, um, you know, real acting life. It is a, oh, oh, look, I guess you'd call it a fantasy series where in the near future, you ready for this? Mm. A sudden pandemic and great illness sweeps the earth mm. and many oh. people die. Sounds when a bit was wild. This <laughs> it is, it's, yeah, un, who could even think what it could be? Um, there are many parallels, of course, to COVID, but it's not that because this is a far more devastating illness. Many, many people die from this unknown illness that they term the sick and about the same time that the sick happens, babies that are born are born hybrid. So they're not just human. They're like a, a, a dog-human hybrid or an eagle-human hybrid or, in Sweet Tooth's case, a deer-human hybrid. So he's a normal human boy that has antlers growing out of his head and deer ears <laughs> and an enhanced sense of smell and hearing. Oh. Now... There's lots of questions as to which came first. Did the hybrids cause the illness or did the illness cause the hybrids? Sounds a bit icky, mate. It is amazing. So, so much heart. So entertaining. I'm watching it with my wife and my 14-year-old daughter and we can't get enough of it. Like, we are so deep in this No, I had heard someone talking about this and I kind of went, this sounds too far-fetched. But you're saying that as a fantasy, it still works. It it. It does because I think as much as anything, the connection to how we live our lives now around Mm -hmm. the notion of COVID and how it's so greatly affecting us, this is an extension of that absolutely into fantasy realms, of course, with the hybrids. Mm -hmm. Uh, The world changes incredibly because of it. Like Not like nearly 2% of the world's population has died due to COVID, sadly. It's like 90% of the world's population dies due to the sick. So it's a good huge family number. viewing, Netflix, how many episodes? Teenagers are up, not younger. Um, yeah. There are eight episodes in the first season. I believe there is more to come. Big clap. Highly recommended Sweet Tooth. Wow. Do it, do it, do it. Okay. Um, and I dare, I'll fight you out the back if you disagree with me. Okay. <laughs> Maybe syrup for everybody. 
<laughs> what what else? What else you got? I also watched a film starring Bob Odenkirk, who you might know from Better Call Saul. Uh, he plays seemingly a mild-mannered husband who works at a local manufacturing plant um, that served in the war, but he was an auditor. So he didn't really see any action, but he was still a military man. Um, turns out that uh, this character at the centre, Hutch Mansell is his name, played by Odenkirk. Eh, maybe he had a little bit more than just an auditor's job in the military. Um, Ooh, uh Drug dealer, spy, assassin. Yeah, let's go down the assassin path. He he is oh, wow. brutal, okay. and and is living a life that is something that he desired, but never thought he would have. So it was his a chance of trying to get out of the game, so to speak, until the game catches up with him. In fact, his true nature catches up with him, and he can't escape it anymore. It's called nobody, as in who are you? I'm nobody. Um, and it is brilliant. It is such it's such a great take on an action flick. It, it is there's of course some big things you need to hang. You know, you have to buy in that Bob Odenkirk is an action man, but Jeepers Creepers, it's not like he's all muscle and kills everybody all the time. He takes a beating. Um, it is really great, solid, nearly two hour film. Check it out. You can get it on um, all of the the buy or rent services. So your Apple or your Google. Google or Fetch. Okay. Brilliant. Um, it's worth All checking right. out. A good night's watching. The the now half you, one. Yes. You can't. I'm just saying. I'm just. I'm just imagining. Well, you can't end without something from Disney Plus. Well, no, I, I have to go there because I've been fortunate enough to see the first two episodes of their new Marvel series Loki, which starts ah, Wednesday this week. Yes. Um, there are zero spoilers coming from me. Tell us. It is brilliant. Tom Hiddleston and Owen Wilson star. Uh, Hiddleston, of course, is Loki, the mischievous god. Mm. And uh, Owen Wilson as a gentleman called Mobius M. Mobius, who works for... Owen Wilson is in comedian Owen Wilson. Yeah, actor, comedian. He's back. He works for the Time Variance Authority. Now, you do need to be in Marvel a little bit to get it, but they do cover it at the start of the first episode to catch up how Loki is in this position because... Uh, eagle-eyed fans will know in the first of the two-part big budget uh, you know infinity war endgame films loki dies in infinity war and Mm. due to a time incident escapes Ah. in endgame yeah it's a bit like that but if you loved wandavision and loved their episodic storytelling this is a great return to that as opposed to falcon and winter soldier which was not so good this is brilliant uh, first episode this Wednesday night, Disney Plus. Don't miss it, Loki. Huge preview clap from Malk. There you are. See, simple. Thank you, Malk. No slaps. Unusual. No, I'm... right. Good boy. Um, well, look, I have been in lockdown, so I've got a lot to get through, but let's do it swiftly. <laughs> first up, Tell big us. clap, the return of Foreign Correspondent mm. with uh, a fantastic episode looking at the Trump and immigration and families split up and drug wars in Honduras and people waiting on the border in Mexico. Uh, I thought it was a fantastic episode. They went everywhere. They must have had a big budget. But I just, a little bit of a a slap for the Thursday night time slot. They've done this to put it in front of foreign correspondent. And uh, to me, that didn't really sit right. I just think that... Sorry, foreign correspondent has been put in front of Q&A. And for me, I didn't really think that's the kind of night for it. I prefer a night that Mm. is earlier in the week, Monday or Tuesday. So not sure about the scheduling there. 
RuPaul's Drag Race, I'm now officially obsessed. It's on stand. Yeah. It's uh-huh. a Australian-New Zealand co-production. It is so well produced, supremely cleverly put together. The segments zing. They're also having some very interesting discussions about queer issues to do with identity and blackface came mm. up in an episode where... There's a lot of issues around cultural appropriation and drag queens because, of course, guess what? They borrow costumes and borrow from other cultures, and there's been a big backlash against that. One of the contestants had done blackface from W.A. Scarlet, who's probably the front runner actually, and had to fess up to this. And, of course, uh, they just had this brilliantly produced segment where they're all doing makeup, and one of the queen's rival uh, drag queens opens her eyes and pauses for the makeup, and you know she's about to have an almighty serve hmm. in an attempt to get a tactical advantage. You know you're obsessed with a television show when you find yourself at 5.17am sending WhatsApp messages to your friend Rookie. discussing the events <laughs> of the previous episode. Yes. Uh, I did return to what some compare, some say it's a very fallow period in the James Bond canon, the He's back. late He's back. 80s. <laughs> The Living Daylights, Timothy Dalton, which I enjoyed as a teenager, surprisingly held up rather well, I thought. You know, big, glossy, fun entertainment, nothing more than that. Perfectly this enjoyable. This was the first Timothy Dalton, wasn't it? First Timothy Dalton, the one where uh, he meets the cellist, who is the assassin trying to stop the Russian defector mm. from going across to um, Britain. All sorts of fun and games, very dramatic fight on a plane, on a, a cargo plane with a whole consignment of drugs hanging out the back. Um, good, fun. How long do you think you have to watch a TV show b- before deciding that it's going to be great and awarding it a clap? Because this happened to me this week. The answer for me was four minutes, 30 seconds. Wow. And, and you were in. I happened upon the first episode of something that's been thoroughly recommended, the Netflix show Call My Agent. It's French, it's in subtitles, it's exactly what it says on the tin. It's a sort of comedy drama about French actors and their agents, the people behind the scenes who Oh, I started this. I started this. Happen. And, you know, the star's late for a photo shoot. Where is she? She's on a horse in the middle of the French countryside having uh, a a horse riding lesson and has to haul ass quickly into the centre of Paris for the photo shoot. Just bragging about her big US. Hollywood assignment when the agent gets a text saying, ah, nah, sorry, she's not going to be in the film. So he has to mop up that mess. Friends are raving about it. They say there's some fantastic cameos from big-name French stars to look forward to later in the series. Now, a new category here, Fence, (laughs) which I'm just introducing because I feel a bit guilty. I've slagged off some shows previously that we've talked about they're both on nine the weakest links you have too much time on your hands brookie i know i've started re-watching them i'm slightly warming to them so uh apologies there for my earlier condemnation i don't know stick with it can i say that (laughs) on a fence maybe you are too quick to judge as a general rule of thumb hey that's what we're here for that's what we're paid for I gotta say, I've been into Celeb Apprentice. Yes, the kids and I are really, oh, so deep. you know, into it. I'm, I'm not a huge fan of uh, Lord Sugar, uh, but I am a fan week. of the cast. Hmm. Yes. yes. So maybe stick with it. Who knows? My slap for this week, which I sort of deliver with a bit of sadness because I think it had potential, but I'm not feeling it, is an SBS 
and SBS On Demand, Local Drama, The Unusual Suspects. It's about a group of women, quite a few of whom are Filipina-Australian, and their travails in the eastern suburbs of Australia society. Jet Set, Rich List, they portray a couple of maids, two wealthy women whose lives are falling apart, and it seems to be a bit of a heist film. The opening episode jumps backwards and forwards in Mm. time, a bit like a Big Little Lies, where you have that sort of device where suddenly it fast forwards and they're all being interviewed by police after some crime has been committed. I thought that worked brilliantly in Big Little Lies, but here I found that disjointed and confusing. It just wasn't as compelling as I hoped. So, a slap from me. Yeah, I was disappointed with it too. Okay, all right. Well, that is what we have been watching, but let's find out what you have been watching, Joe. Let us know what our group of TV binges on the TV Binge Box Podcast Gang Facebook page have been posting on this week. Okay, well, the main one we are going to talk about next, so I'm not going to ruin it, but obviously there's been a lot of Mare of Easttown mm. discussion keeping our binges very busy, both pre in the lead up and post. So we'll we'll chat about that a bit more next. Uh, so Karen Menzi and her 15-year-old have discovered a show on Disney Plus called Encore. Uh, this is a show with Kristen Bell as the executive producer. Yes. And she calls it part high school reunion, part musical. She recommends it for family viewing. So thanks, Karen. I'm going to give this one a go, especially as Lynn Curry-Holmes agrees, saying there are not enough claps in the world to give this. Hmm. So that's a big... Big, you know, round of applause. Michelle Lucas, who is often a girl after my own heart, uh, has suggested I start a one-woman campaign to make Shars of Sunset. Oh, no. No, 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 no. No, I am in ignorance on this one. I might try and sneak it in while he's in lockdown. He's been very open down there in Melbourne. Let's give it a go next week. I take Malt's warnings very seriously. Oh, it's an amazing series. Shars of Sunset is next level. Horrible. It's it's wonderful. Don't listen. Uh, Our dear friend Daniel Mark, whose advice I always take very seriously, especially when it comes to drama. Oh, I loved it. Miss you. Loved the woman in the window, which is a thriller starring Amy Adams, which has just dropped on Netflix. I did watch the preview and it does look amazing. Maybe something to fill that void now. People are seeking something else since Mayor of Easttown's gone. Alison Arandel asks. If anyone is watching the new Lucifer, which she is, which she says is going more five B than five A, but she's still liking. And Darren Keane, who is a dear old friend of mine, is rewatching Fleabag, and he says he's so obsessed uh, with the talented Phoebe Waller-Bridge and her talent, and wishes there were more than two seasons. And I think a lot of people would agree with him. Michael Haddad suggests The Pact on Stan, saying it's a brilliant cast uh, with a wonderful whodunit storyline. Rachel Walton has just finished uh, Stateless, which she says has totally changed her views on asylum seekers and immigration. And I'm happy to report Brookie and I have managed to convert Jodie Wood over to Line of Duty. So that's fab. Uh, Finally, if you're looking for your own rewind. (laughs) Yeah, stick with it, Jodie. Uh, Matthew Goodyear has just discovered Gossip Girl for the first time on Netflix because he missed it um, originally and he's totally hooked. He could talk about it all day, and so it seems could most of our binges. So that is what is going on in the fabulous uh, TV binge books 
Thank Facebook you, Bingies. Thank you, Bingies, and thanks, Joe. Now it's time for this week's Group Binge. So, Brookie, what have you had us watching this week? <laughs> Thank you, Brookie. Love your work, He's by the way. He's throwing to himself now. You do? Oh. Actually, I love your work. Oh, come Very on. Very kind of you to say. Should we get a room together? Oh, my goodness. You already have. Oh, my goodness. Look, this lockdown sending him insane. <laughs> there could oh. only be one choice oh. for this episode this week. It has buzz. It has word of mouth. It has critical acclaim. It's had acres and acres of press coverage. Mm. Yes, I'm talking about Houseos with Paul Fennick. Oh, stop <laughs> No, I'm not. I'm talking about Mayor of East Town, the HBO series seen here on Binge and Foxtel. And look, spoiler alert, we will be discussing the series in its entirety. So if you have yet to watch the final episode, episode seven, please skip ahead about 20 minutes. So where to start with Mayor of East Town? Look, I think it was more than a TV show. For me, I derived pleasure from watching it, but also from discussing it with friends from reading about it and, of course, trying to work out who done it. Uh, you know that mm. a series have reached a cultural, culturally significant moment when you've got journalists such as Maureen Dow, the star political columnist for the New York Times, who normally writes about Trump, Biden and Barack Obama, interviewing Kate Winslet. Whoa. <sighs> so we are actually revisiting this because several episodes back in this podcast, we discussed the program in depth, but only up to the end of episode four. I remember saying at the time that it had every cop show cliche in the book, but it did it so well. I thought the first two episodes were outstanding, but then I detected a dip in quality, but that was before the stunning twists that occurred later in the series. For my mind, a whodunit rarely delivers. The final episode, the payoff, can often disappoint. Yeah. But both of you, Mulk, first, did Mayor of East Town deliver for you? With a difficulty of 6.5, it nailed the landing. I really think that uh, it managed to take something, as, as you kind of inferred, Brookie, you know, it's, it's a cop, you know, whodunit. We, we've seen that played out 17,000 times before. And they just kept it flowing. And even at the start of that final episode, that interchange and then, the you know, going to court and then the kind of follow on, it kind of felt like everything wrapped up a little bit neat, a little bit early, but you didn't really catch it until all of a sudden Mare's at the guy's place talking to him about stuff going missing. And then just these pieces start dropping. It's a, It was so well done. I loved it. Great. Of course, a key part was theorising about the killer. My newspaper, The Age, even ran an online poll, didn't actually have the real killer listed. <laughs> so before the start of the final episode, Joe, who did you have pinned as the killer? Well, you're not even going to believe me, Brookie, but I ruined it for my whole table on the night because I suddenly had an epiphany about who it was and I was right. And I was this. half, I can, because I can, I can call on Nicholas uh, uh, Fonseca, who is a journalist. I don't know if you know Nick. He's a gorgeous man. And also uh, one of the head of Warners was there and I ruined it for him. So I've got to say, so and you, Cam and Jules. You were at, event. I actually, you were at an event and you piped We up. were at a Foxtel event mm. to watch the finale. Binge very all generously together, All it. the yeah. hype. And it just came to me, I think, in at, the Uber on the way point? there. 
Oh, on the way it there, was, ahead of time. Because I actually thought they've put too much focus on the child and those, you know, just seemingly random scenes in the school and his aggression. Good pick up and they've really focused on the, I think as a parent, that scene where he was obviously telling his son to keep it under wraps and I didn't know how so or this was why. John Ross, who was yes. John Ross. to Laurie Ross, yes. who's Mayor's best yes, friend, and their troubled child, Ryan Ross. And we thought maybe at the start of the final episode that John Ross was the real killer and... And that he was having an affair and... And, and his and, cousin was covering up for him and was going to be the scapegoat or something or other. His brother. When the focus was on the Rosses and then I, I really thought about those scenes, I just went... Oh, he's covering for his son. That's what dads do. He's he's covering Brilliantly for his son. Brilliantly intuitive. And, and I've got to say, there you are. our old friend Daniel Mark also picked Ryan Ross as the killer. He picked the killer wow. but not the motive. And that was, he was he, he, nanoseconds he slightly, away. He slightly got the motive wrong. But yeah. for me, I thought actually it was going to be someone who had been, the finger of suspicion had been on early in the series, but had then moved away from, which was, in fact, uh, Mayor's ex-husband, mm. Frank Oh, Sheehan. you were still stuck on him. Well, okay. it was more that I was stuck on that the killer was going to represent some kind of personal tragedy for Mayor Sheehan yes. because, let's face it, the whole entire Her life wasn't bad enough. series <laughs> was revelation after revelation of personal Mayor's tragedies, tragedies for yeah. Mayor. And indeed, the killer, the revelation of the killer, was a personal tragedy for Mayor, yep. but in ways that were unexpected because, of course, it turned Laurie against Mayor. And, and Laurie's life upside down. Turned upside down. And there's quite a line of, you know, in mummy blogs, etc. There's a kind of debate going on as to whether Mayor did the right thing by exposing this. Oh my God! Are just... you serious? No, I'm seriously. There are debates going 100%. on. hundred uh, percent. I would not have done have it. No, she should not have. And yep, she should let have. the father yep. take the fall yep. for wow. a crime that actually it did really appear to be accidental in in the kind of end of it. Oh, one hundred percent. Yeah, accidental. Again, another fascinating um, depiction of morality that was one of the series' strengths because we had all of this throughout. We had villains who later on turned out to be victims. In fact, you could argue everyone in the entire series was a victim in one way or the mm. other because of the tone of the show, the atmosphere of East Town, the poverty that was really well depicted. And I think that's getting back to your point earlier, Malk, about it being a whodunit, but about so much more, particularly mm. in the mm. final episode, it was about trauma, families, and forgiveness, which for me almost transcended the whole whodunit plot line because yeah. it mm. was at the whodunit just led to another whole layer of suffering, which made you reflect on all the other suffering, particularly. Um, in the Sheehan family, and I thought really notably in that very final episode, when I kind of wasn't really expecting it, Helen, uh, Mare's mum, and how she tried to keep the family together and all the difficulties mm. she had had with her husband, Mare's father, again, fantastically realised. I don't think 
I can think of a dud actor in this piece. What do you think, Mole? Yeah, they were incredible performances, all of them. And and I think the thing that probably caught most people off guard about this series is while, you know, there was lots of stories in it, this was Mare's story. This mm. was all about Kate Winslet's character uh, and how everybody related to her or connected to her or what it all meant. And and the the... The, the, the glory of, I think, the reality we've talked before, I think last time, Joe, you brought up that, that, that Kate Winslet wanted to make sure that there was no kind of touch-ups to her look or anything, that Mare was a 40-something. I mean, even her belly in the sex All scene, the apparently, stuff, right? she ordered to keep it in when they were like, we can take it out if you life, want. Right? That's the, that's the amazing part about this. The performances were good because no, everyone that's brave. went real. <laughs> that's brave, Malk. That's brave. It is, but I also think it underscores how this is not just a TV show. It is part of the cultural conversation. Mm. So people are looking to this show for a kind of way forward. And it's about, you know, not scrubbing up and Instagram filtering your life. It's about yeah. showing your belly. It's about Mare's parenting skills or lack of them or what is to admire. It was warts and all, right? And it was these yeah. complex stories of, of not just women that we often see on screens, you know, glammed women, sort of, you know, even if you think to Nicole Kidman and mm. uh, Big Little Lies, and they're all glossier <laughs> versions of, of real life. These were real women, warts and all, literally warts and all, uh, middle-aged women, older women. It was engrossing, I think, for that in so many ways because we don't often see that many complex stories across all of those generations um, come together in not just as side stories. You know, they, this was the heart of the story. I think that's true. And because it was so well done, it was the jumping off point or the start for a lot of people to have a lot of conversations mm. About all those issues, I thought... And the real... exploration, yeah, sorry, the, of the motherhood, even with the addict, uh, you know, the daughter, daughter-in-law, daughter not the daughter-in-law, the, the son's the partner. No, sorry. The step... the, yeah, she was the, the daughter-in-law. She was the daughter-in-law. Um, Laid you know... by, guess who? Yes. Kevin Bacon's daughter. Jeepers. Yeah, yeah, and Kyra Cedric's daughter. That was actually interesting when I saw that pointed out. But just even the exploration of, of motherhood across all different facets and, and different types of mothers. Mate, and, friendship, and right? That, it, it, that Those last couple of scenes where oh, Mare goes for a walk to go and visit Laurie, right? Obviously mm -hmm. hasn't seen her mm -hmm. in ages. And in, after setting the kettle for, for Mare's tea, collapses into her arms. I and, know. And, and just the emotion as they're reunited sobbing is, and, is just... And, and as much yeah. as anything, the journey for that reconciliation is, and mm. Mare's coming to terms and, and letting herself start to deal with the death of her son. The opening yes. of that, yeah. that loft yes. stair, stair mm. ladder to go back up there. Mm. I mean, that... Mate, that revelation when they that talked about it was beautiful. It was incredible, uh, but to see that come together, yeah. Mare yeah. climbed into the the attic and she was okay again. That was it. We don't yeah. need any more. For for a show that didn't have much hope throughout, the ending did leave you with hope that this woman was going to finally start to heal. So touched by yeah. that moment, and I also. Uh, one of the other, it was, again, a very small scene, but when the missing girl, I think her name was Katie, was walked into the house that had been used as the DOS yes. house oh, of the yes. addict right in the first yeah, episode, yeah, and the community yeah. had got together to give her yeah. a, a leg up. And, yeah. you know, Katie, mm. a lot of people love you. I just thought that was yeah. also so, so yeah. touching. I'm wondering if 
the, one of the reasons we found this all so powerful was in the way that HBO, um, people wrote a lot about how this was revolutionary. I don't think it was. I think they just stuck true to form, released the episodes weekly. So you mm. couldn't binge on it. They allowed the conversations for people to have to be at the same stage. Yes. And I think, again, that added immediately to people's enjoyment. 100% oh, agree. 100%. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Plus, they, they, of course, had... because of their incredible cliffhangers. Yes, the writing built into it and, and this return to, to you know, uh, slow TV. Not slow TV in the European sense, but that slowed down, you know, like you said, Brookie, metered out response meant mm. you had... If you were watching it, you couldn't but think about it. You had to ponder what went on. What did this mean? You know, the the even when there wasn't a cliffhanger, i.e. when when Mare and her partner went to the house and there was the big shootout and, you know, tragically he dies, Mare gets injured, the guy, the, the perpetrator dies, and all we see is the cops arrive and that's the end of the scene, the end of the show, that episode. It was like, we knew she was going to live, but holy crap, what what's the payout on this? What does this yes. all mean? It was brilliant episodic writing. Yeah, I totally agree. Okay, we're moving now to our scores. Mm. But apart from the traditional score out of five, I've got another question for you, which again is the subject of big debate out there in the ether. So give us your score out of five and tell us, do you want a second series? Oh, Mm. Oh, Joe, ladies first. Yeah, okay, okay, Joe, with you. (laughs) All right. Well, I did love everything about this series, the slow, unhurried pace. Um, you know, you were stressed and intrigued, but you were learning everything. And I think as we, you know, we've already said on its surface, it's a murder mystery, but it's so much more than that. By the time the final credits roll around, you've almost, you know, the, there's so much more the connectivity sort of of the series of the town it goes so much deeper than that and ultimately it's the threads that bind the whole of the town together that are woven in this sort of unspoken pain mm. loss and secrets and all of that it was so much more than a whodunit wasn't it ultimately yeah. so for that i am giving it and i'm holding off on half a star oh. i'm giving it four and a half and that is purely selfishly for me. I do need a little bit of glam and I just, <laughs> oh, it was missing. Almighty. Okay, right. To be yeah. perfection for me, yeah. I couldn't put it up there. But okay. certainly for a murder mystery, it was ultimately. Mare, if only Mare had brushed her hair more often, <laughs> we could have got that Maybe, from yes, Joe. exactly. Okay, exactly. do you want a second series? I'm not sure I want to go back to that dark town again. Okay. All right. We'll leave that Unless there. I see some hope. All right. Yes. Or, or a new headdresser moves into town maybe. <laughs> Mol, over to you. <laughs> what are you giving this one out of five? Goodness gracious. This is a, a big uh, Guy Pierce's eye candy, five out of five. Um, it was delightful. And I look, I will jump backflips if we get another series this good this year. I, I don't think we will. I think this was no. almost perfect television the way that it brought us together and made us watch it. I loved it. Um, as much as I would devour a second series, I don't want one. I think yeah. we, we saw Mare Satisfied. You know, ascend the ladder and that was enough. We knew that she was okay with Laurie. We knew that she was okay. All of her family were okay. Everything is great. And and just to quickly, uh, a big thanks to Asha and the team at Binge for hosting Joe and I last week for the finale. Yeah. It was so fun. I'm also going to give um, this can one I ask five a quick out of question? five. 
Yeah, sure. Oh, sorry. I don't want to interrupt, but I, and I feel like this bit wasn't wrapped up for me. Did I miss it somewhere while I was eating whatever we yeah. were eating? But but the Dylan character and who turned so nasty and what have you, did we ever find out what that little nuance was? Have I thrown a spanner in the works there? No, I don't you think were you were wondering have. why he wanted to destroy all her journals. Well, I knew why he wanted to destroy the journals, I felt, but then when he was hunting down her best friend so dramatically and so, yeah, he was so evil about it, it didn't, you know, it led us to believe that he was, you know, hiding the deep secret that perhaps he was the killer, but... That is a storyline you know, that kind of didn't go anywhere. You it did, right. it did, that was perhaps one story end. part. Yeah, one loose end. Uh, and did we think Guy was, sorry, did we think he was underutilised? No, I thought that was brilliant because mm, okay. it was... Uh, if you watch a show like Knives Out, say, another murder mystery, and yes. mm-hmm. it's clearly been cast with an eye to a big star playing a very significant right. role, whereas I thought that was a false lead with Guy Pearce, who was Brilliant you know, a star for us, mm. as, as a moderate star overseas, but we kept expecting something really big mm. to happen with him, and we were blindsided. Love interest misdirection was so good. Yeah, yeah. And there's Maybe it was great, to make her lovable. We've got a great YouTube comedy clip with Guy Pearce, you know, an actor playing Guy Pearce and an actor playing Guy Pearce's agent. <gasps> this and is Steen Raskopoulos. Yeah. Great role for you, Guy. Mayor of East Town. You play, it's a murder mystery, small town USA. You play the love interest of the cop. And then the Guy Pearce character is going, oh, right, great. And then... I turn out to be the killer, do I? And the agent's going, <laughs> nope, you're just a writer. Uh, but at the end of it, there's this big dramatic revelation and it's like, nope, you just get a placing and head out of town. So yep. I thought that was delicious uh, subverting. Okay, my scores very quickly. Come on. Yep. Five stars, I think. For me, this is heading back into the all-time great dramas mm. that we've reviewed over this, on the show over the past couple of years, of which I'm thinking of Unforgiven, I'm thinking of mm. It's a Sin, mm. and I'm thinking of Chernobyl. So mm. I think it is first rank. Do I want another series? I'm really torn because can another series lift beyond being a simple whodunit oh, yeah, now that no. we have dealt so much with Mare's trauma and the trauma of the town and all those beautiful relationships and people enduring. And if you take that out, yeah. my great fear is quality, though the show undoubtedly was, you're going to turn it into just another procedural cop show. Yeah. And uh, look, but nobody wants to see that part of me really happen. wants it. <laughs> look, I, and, and the interesting thing about it too is, is that I think you don't want it to just become kind of crime of the month. Wherever mayor goes, the bad things happen. Um, yes. That's disingenuous to what the story is. Um, yeah. Also, it just allows it to sit. It just ends. Stories end. Yes. All right. And on that note, let's jump into a whole new segment. Rewind. Mulk, have you got a blast from the past? That's this segment that we kind of never do anymore. Yes, of course uh, I do, Bookie. Uh, yeah. Welcome to Rewind, friends. This is going to be a big one that was prompted as much as anything by a recent cast member's death. Oh. I thought, oh. in part, researching this, that it was a fever dream. But I put it to you like this. Love. Exciting and new. Come aboard. Oh, oh the We're love expecting boat. you. Oh, Captain Stubing died. Oh, that's right. I just say that oh. in these previous segments, people have actually 
played the piano for these theme tunes and actually <laughs> sung it. Well done. Congratulations to well, them, he's, Stephen he's said it poetically. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I'm not going to play I, the I'm guitar. not up on this news, so what has happened? So, stooping uh, past. Yes, right. Gavin McLeod, uh, star of not only The Love Boat, but, uh, um, oh, gosh, another great comedy show, Far Out, uh, prior to that, has passed away, sadly, after uh, sort of reasonably, uh, I think it was, you know, a surprise, you know, to most of his fans and stuff. But he is the first of the Love Boat cast to have passed away. Um, really? He played your captain, Meryl Steubing, on The Love Boat for, believe it or not, 11 seasons. It was, on oh no, a nine seasons, apologies. Nine seasons across 11 years. It was 250 episodes, a whole bunch of specials, a, a list as long as both of your arms of, you know, special guests turning up for a cruise that ultimately went to nowhere, but their drama or romance was broken at the start and everything got better over the course of the, the trip. Thanks in no small part to the crew, the captain, Doc, Gopher, Isaac the bartender, and of course, at least for the first uh, few seasons, uh, Vicky Steubing, the captain's daughter. Yes, Brookie. Point of trivia, I Please. think he was Murray on the Mary Tyler Moore show. The Mary Tyler Moore, thank you very much. That is indeed uh, where uh, Gavin McLeod fitted. They, Gavin McLeod actually became uh, an ambassador for Princess Cruises, who owned oh, the of ship did. For, Perfect. for the rest of his life. He was the face and ambassador. Cruises everywhere. Loved the fact that cruising was a thing. Probably good for uh, for Mr. McLeod that he did pass when cruising may not be a thing again. Yeah, I was going to say um, that. Wouldn't so oh, so Julie McCoy was, I of course, your cruise director. Vicky Steubing was the I was going to say she was my favourite. Yeah, but Such a fondly remembered show from our childhood. And I think this possibly influence Joe's lifelong pursuit of glamour. <laughs> and Aaron Spelling <laughs> very soaps. Yeah, important question that might mm. actually have a profound impact on the rest of my evening. Where can I watch this show? Please tell me it's readily available oh. somewhere. <laughs> yeah, well, believe Easily it. Easily accessible with the click of my computer mouse. It's actually not, Brookie. Controversially, oh, DVD okay. um, at maybe your JB oh. Hi-Fi would be the only place that you can get this. It's not oh available. Oh, goodness, he can't even take a trip. Mind you, 250 <laughs> episodes. The box set would have to be shaped like a boat and the literal size of a boat. So really no one's bought the rights to all of that? Oh, I don't think that anyone's bought the rights to it. I think it's just so much content oh. and we haven't quite pushed our digital libraries that far back. Right. Do you it... remember in the very early days of Foxtel, there was a great channel, a much missed, called Nick at Night? Yes. Which used to show all this kind of stuff. Mary Tyler Moore, I'm sure they would have had Maud in there and the love boat would have been perfect for that. So I think we need a Nick of Night streamer. I do have one question for you, friends, and it will be a bit of trivia yes. for you. There is no question. Um, which of the cast are now... A U.S. congressman. That's maybe a hint. Oh. Oh. The little guy who used to run out and say, Deplane, Deplane. No, that's the, uh, totally the wrong series. That's not lovely. And he's passed away <laughs> I know. as well. Fantasy <laughs> Island. I yes. know. I know. Okay. All right. I have no idea. Julie. <laughs> it is Fred yeah. Grandy, the man who played Gopher Smith, your chief person. I was going to say, surely not Gopher, the bartender. He has, uh, let's just say he's silver foxed it up. And I'm sure leveraged wow. many, many memories of people seeing him on the love boat into all sorts 
of, uh, you know, hijinks within Congress. Look at this, a TV show, if your Fred Smith gets you into Congress, if you're Donald Trump, a TV show Mm -hmm. gets you into the presidency. Uh, America. (laughs) Thank you so much, Malt. That was a brilliant trip down memory lane. My pleasure. All we have time for this week. Thanks so much for listening. If you want to chat with us, to us, give us a suggestion or just say hi, head over to the Facebook group page. Find us on Twitter or Instagram. We're at TV underscore binge box. Malk, where can we find you on the socials? I'm at Steve Malk everywhere that counts. Friends, remember this year we would love it if you would not only tell your friends about the podcast and get them to subscribe, we still would love it if you gave us five stars and a glorious review because we are, if nothing, needy. Absolutely right, (laughs) Joe. Where, I am so if, needy. If you're so needy. If we, if we want to observe your beef week at activities. Where can we find you? You can find me at joe.casamento on Instagram and come see me on my Facebook page. I'm feeling neglected there. Head over there. Let's have a chat. There's a lot of content Easy. going up, folks. I'm Stephen Brook. I'm at Viscount Brookie on Twitter. And I write the CD, CBD column in The Age and the Sydney Morning Herald. Thanks so much for joining us for another week of TV Binge Box. We look forward to your company again next time. Until then, stay safe, stay locked down if you are in Melbourne, and stay mm-hmm. warm. Mm. And as the dying fourth doctor said, at the base <laughs> of the Pharos Project in Legopolis, this is the end, but the moment has been prepared for. Mm.